Good evening, Faith Center. Trust and pray you're having a great day and that the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and you're having uh, the opportunity to be led by the Spirit of God and that His will will be done in your life. City of Los Angeles and cities of Inglewood uh, are both celebrating tonight as they have had a tremendous outpouring of support from the community in the triumphal uh, football game of the Super Bowl number 56 won by the Los Angeles Inglewood slash Rams. And so they've all been celebrating and getting a little tipsy and enjoying the revelry and the camaraderie and the enjoyment of being a victor and being victorious and celebrating the victory of the 56th Super Bowl game. And we trust and pray that <clears throat> your team that you supported your team that you wish could win, did win. And we congratulate them for their successes. The three individuals that were recognized as outstanding individuals during the course of the game and the course of the year, we also add our congratulations to them. In this study tonight, we will go into the third chapter of the book of Romans. Paul had a heart desire to preach in Rome and he hadn't made his arrival yet. He wrote this particular book from another city, but nevertheless, he enjoyed what the Lord had given him to write. So let's bow our heads before we go into the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We magnify you. We lift you up. We give you the highest praise. We pray you open up our ears of understanding, open up our eyes of understanding, open up our hearts of understanding that we might understand and comprehend and not only understand and comprehend, but do the word of the Lord as we understand it, as you reveal it to us. And so we give you thanks and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we say thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. On well, last week, we we're discussing or brought you the word of the Lord about who is a Jew. <clears throat> Will the real Jew stand up? And he stated that in the final verse of chapter 2 of Book of Romans, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart 
in the spirit and not in the letter whose praise is not of men but of God. The writer Paul is trying to let us know that the important thing is not pleasing or identifying with our fellow man, but the thing is pleasing and doing the will of God. For it is God that will determine your eventual outcome, your eventual end. And so we ought not try to please or strive to please men, but rather to please God. So chapter 3 questions the Jews boasting of being a Jew and being circumcised, being selected for circumcision to represent God on the earth. Paul was challenging them to the Romans and saying to them, what advantage, he opens up with the question, what advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. In other words, he's saying that what God did for the Jewish selection or selectees was to give them the responsibility of keeping the law, maintaining the law, enforcing the law. But he wanted them to know that is not really a profitable situation to be in. If you are boasting in the fact that you are Jewish, it's not the fact that you have been Jew you are Jewish because being Jewish simply means that you have been selected by God to be caretakers of the Word of God, which is the law of God. And your responsibility is to make sure that the law is kept in a rightful manner. Because he wanted to know that you are made committed the oracles of God. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? For God forbid, he says, yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. As it is written, thou shalt, thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome them when thou art judged. So we're going to judge you, keepers of the law, maintainers of the law, people that spread the law, and your responsibility is to take care of it and make sure that the law is understood. But if you don't do that, then your judgment will come from God because of your lack 
of caretaking of the word of God. God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, thou mightest be justified in thy sayings and mightest overcome them thou art, when thou art judged. But if, if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous <clears throat> who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. God, is he unrighteous because he taketh vengeance? God forbid. <clears throat> For then, how shall God judge the world? How shall God judge the world if he's going to be judged by those who took care of the word of God. For if the truth of God had more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather as we slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come whose damnation is just. Those individuals that are saying and proposing, perpetuating the idea that the more sin I do, the more grace I'm going to get. But God has asked us and said, God forbid, how can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we are designed now to operate in faith, believing in God, trusting in God, living the life of God through Jesus Christ. And we're not being judged by being keepers of the law. For that's not our faith. That's not our responsibility. For it is the truth of God has more, for if the truth of God has more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. If you're Proposing, or proposing that the more evil that you do, the more grace you're getting, then your damnation is justified. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. But we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Whether you are Jew or whether you are Gentile, you still are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. The law does not justify you. The law does not cleanse you. The law does not make you whole. The law is simply to reveal the unrighteousness of sin.
to make sin more sinful. For if there is no law, then there is no sin. So we pray and believe that as we go into the law and understand the law, if the law says thou shalt not, then if we do that which it says we shall not, or should not, or will not, then we are guilty of the law. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of their way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none other that doeth good, no, not one. They're not doing good because of the law. They're not doing good because the law says, love thy neighbor as love yourself. But you're coming up with your own laws and your own rules and your own regulations rather than listening to the voice of God, whose mouths are full of cursings and bitterness. So even though you are a keeper of the law, you are a maintainer of the law, you are a proponent of the law, and you still are cursing and full of bitterness and swift to shed blood and to go to destruction and misery. All of that is in your ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. The law, keeping the law or recognizing the law, does not produce the results of an inward change that take place in a person's heart and will to the belief in Jesus Christ. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law says is said to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and that all the world may become guilty before God. Hmm. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified. And in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. All the law does is make sin more sinful. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, <clears throat> even the righteousness of God. Now, if you ever want righteousness, you want the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So if you believe in Jesus Christ, you acknowledge him as Lord of your life, you acknowledge him as the Son of God, then you live by the righteousness of God. 
and by the righteousness of faith. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace and through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When God has set forth to be a perpetuation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. We ought to give God praise for his plan to redeem us through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and justify of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? <clears throat> it is excluded. For you can't boast in that which you did not provide. If Jesus provided the gift of salvation, and it is a gift from God, then we have nothing to boast in because we didn't have anything to do with this gift of salvation. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. <clears throat> Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. What we are doing is we are establishing the law. We're saying that the law is right in its attempt to reveal to us the knowledge of sin, to make sin more sinful, to reveal to us the faults that we have. But thanks be to God that God gives us grace. And through his grace, we have fellowship with God. And we walk according to his law. The law of God is simply provided as a guider, a leader, to guide us into the truth. It will not bring you the truth, but it will guide you into the truth. It'll be your schoolmaster, one that brings you to the knowledge or the place of knowledge where you can learn and be, have your wisdom fulfilled in Jesus Christ through faith. 
Remember, the key word is faith, through faith. Through faith, we have our establishments. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, we believe that the world was established by God, by his word, through faith. We trust and pray that you will be believers through faith and not believers through the law, through some deed or some thing or some act that you are doing. The only act that you can possibly do is the, the act of faith, the believing in God. If you believe in God and trust in him, and he will give you this gift of salvation. It doesn't come from obedience to the law because we can't even obey the law until we get the Spirit of God inside of us. When the Spirit of God comes inside of us, it helps us to understand, first of all, the Word of God, and then helps us to do the Word of God. We cannot do the Word of God without the Spirit of God. For God wants us to do the Word of God through His Spirit, through the leadership and guidance of His Word. And his word will become a part of you. He'll be in you, directing you, guiding you, hoping you, helping you to do the will of the Lord. Trust and pray tonight's word, chapter 3 of the book of Romans, has been a blessing to you that you will walk in through faith, not by sight, for the just shall live by faith. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word tonight. May your word go with us, guide us, direct us, lead us, be inside of us, empower us. And Father, we give you thanks. We thank you, Lord, as we celebrate this month, Black History Month. Thank you for what you are doing and what you are permitting us to do. We pray and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Well, this is Black History Month. We trust and pray that you're studying black history finding something or someone that has aided us throughout our life journey. And we believe in the trust in the Lord as we recognize those that have gone before us. Some have given up their lives for us, sacrificed for us, for just the ability to vote, which they are trying to dissuade and trying to prevent people from still voting today and living the life that God desires for them to have. 
So continue to pray. It's not over with. The battle is not over yet. The victories yet have to be fought. Battles yet have to be won. And we give God praise for it. Thank God we heard a beautiful word on last night, on Tuesday night, that was brought to us by Pastor Westmoreland talking about things that are needed for revival. And one thing that we need of all of us is we're going to be a revival. It's going to become from the Spirit of God. So I trust and pray that you're having a wonderful time. You get an opportunity to tune in to the workers' meeting of jurisdiction number one and be blessed by the word of the Lord and the women of the Lord. Mrs. G will be on a panel this coming Thursday. Pray for her, pray for the other women that are on the panel. And the will of the Lord will be done and the blessings of the Lord will be revealed and the power of the Lord will be released. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, it's offering time. Time to give, time to share what the Lord has blessed you with. It is amazing how God provides us the wherewithal to give. But we have to give back to his ministry. But we thank God for the ability to give. And whatever you have tonight, be thankful for it and give as the Lord has prospered you. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you for the ability to share back with you what you have given to us. And, oh, God, we thank you and we praise you for this opportunity. And may we do it, oh, God, with loving kindness and tender mercy. And may we give as you have prospered us. And we lift up this offering unto you, and we say unto you, Father, Father, this is my seed that I now deposit into your kingdom. It represents my love and devotion that I have towards you. I believe that this seed that I now deposit into your kingdom will bring to me a great harvest. I receive that harvest now. And with that harvest, I'll be able to sow again into your kingdom. I give you thanks for this opportunity. In Jesus' mighty name, thank God. Amen and amen. We'll go out and have a blessed day and enjoy the rest of this evening. May the Lord's grace and kindness be upon you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.